Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Outside Looking In, the podcast series wherein I talk to 29 people and in doing so we kind of cross the NBA landscape and there's a pit stop in each conversation to talk about the Raptors so you the listener get a consensus on the team you cheer for. But additionally, of course, you learn about the league at large. That's what Outside Looking In is. And today, a very special episode with Sabrina Merchant. And it's the Clippers. So yes, Kawhi Leonard, he left the Raptors for this team. And Sabrina, so kind to join us. You might know her from SBA Nation, where she writes about the NBA and the WNBA. You might also know her from the Step Through podcast with Evan Gualberto. And uh, if, if you don't know... Uh, Bouncing Around was a podcast I hosted with Evan Golberto. So if you want to go to Evan Golberto's YouTube channel, you can find a lot of Sam and a lot of Sabrina. But Sabrina, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, we could just talk about Evan for 50 minutes if you want. Like, I think that'd be a great show as well. Yeah, I, I know he listens to these and I'm almost certain he'll listen to this one considering who the, the two people talking are. So mm-hmm. Evan, uh, thanks for tuning in. You're the best. Much love. But I guess we'll we'll flip it over to the Raptors then so Evan can get his regular dose of basketball talk in. <laughs> the Raptors, a very interesting team after talking to, I think this is episode 16 or 17, everybody seems interested. Not everybody thinks that they're incredible, but everybody finds them interesting. I'm curious what you find of them. I mean, I wish Sergio Scariolo was still on their staff, honestly. <laughs> Just after watching all of the Eurobasket and all of Juancho Hernan Gomez there, I think that'd be just a lovely addition to Toronto. But hey, you know, still a fun coaching staff there. Um, you know, I'm kind of just fascinated by all of the flyers that they've taken this offseason. Like everyone's favorite people on NBA Twitter seem to be finding their way to Toronto. Like Otto Porter is there. Is he still good? I'm not quite sure. Even after watching the NBA finals, like DJ Wilson, um, Josh Jackson, who just is, Seems to still be on an NBA team. I'm not quite sure how that's happened after all of his NBA career. Uh, I'm not even sure Christian Coloco qualifies as a flyer, but I just thoroughly enjoyed watching him during the NCAA tournament. And I'm fascinated to see how he fits into what Toronto's trying to do here. But yeah, I, I mean, as someone who covers the Clippers, like the parallels to the Raptors and trying to achieve the ideal of the 2019 Raptors is always very front of mind for every Clippers fan. And it just becomes increasingly obvious, like, after they brought in Serge Ibaka, after they brought in Norman Powell. I mean, like Nick Nurse even joked when he came to LA in March, like, who do you guys plan on stealing next? <laughs> and I'm not quite sure, but uh, uh, I guess for the Raptors fans here, I'm going to say nobody for the time being because the Clippers roster is pretty stacked as is. But yeah, I just, the the theory of what the Raptors trying to do is uh, is always very interesting to me because they're super weird during the regular season and they just play harder than everybody else. And I think that works for the first 82 games, but I almost wonder if like, they're 
setting an artificially high like impression of themselves during the regular season that they can't quite cash in during the postseason because they don't have that apex predator guy who's going to take over games. I don't know if Scotty Barnes is going to be that guy, but that's like the most interesting thing to me about the current and future iterations of the Raptors is if Scotty can turn into that player. Uh, at the moment, I'm more interested to see if Pascal Siakam like becomes that version of that guy again. I mean, I think he was okay during this year's postseason, but like the playoffs haven't necessarily been as good for him as the regular season since 2019 when obviously he was surrounded by the one Kawhi Leonard. Uh, so that to me is like, the most fascinating thing about the Raptors is if Pascal Siakam can like regain that all-star, all-NBA type level because I just think that's the cleanest path towards them being an interesting team in the playoffs. Yeah, I with Pascal, I, I was pretty happy with his with his playoff performances, but it was it was tough to glean the top tier performance stuff away from it because the Raptors, you know, they got to the playoffs and Fred mm-hmm. was injured. And then Scotty got injured, and then Gary got injured, and they they obviously the 76ers won that series fair and square. But the Raptors were, man, they were trying to hobble through it. So the gleaning stuff from it became difficult. But I think I, I had a positive takeaway from Pascal's playoffs. And as you say, Scotty is he the guy? Pascal is the simplest way forward. I think that this team probably, you know, Pascal can improve. Everybody in the league can improve to some degree. It just becomes less and less, I guess, probable as certain people go on. But Scotty, if he's like a an all-star on a rookie contract, then then I think it does kind of reshape the Raptors' ceiling with this team because then they'll have everybody on contract and they don't have to worry about getting it elsewhere. That's really interesting. You brought up having so many guys that are well-liked and you brought up Josh Jackson. Kind of funny... This was a big shout out to Blake Murphy for figuring this out. Every time the signing news comes out and everyone knows somebody signed, Blake is also, he's always getting the, uh, I guess, the contract details. Josh Jackson, not on an Exhibit 10, but the lesser lesser known Exhibit 9. The difference between the two is that if you get injured on an Exhibit 9, the team does not have to keep you on the roster until you're healthy. They can waive you without penalty. So Josh Jackson just not guaranteed anything coming Nothing. to Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> very, uh, very interesting. And so here's the here's the thing about you saying these teams trying to pursue the wing thing. So in preparation for this, I was wondering, I considered the the Clippers to be the wings team in the NBA. And many people did because of they they don't just have wings deep on their roster like Amir Coffey, who's fantastic, or you know Luke Kennard, right? But they have Kawhi and Paul George. So I looked up the Raptors between six foot six and six foot ten. The Clippers, their training camp roster, they have seven players. That's a That's fair it. amount. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair amount. And I was expecting more, but I thought seven is okay. And I counted the Raptors, and they had fifteen. Oh, and I was like. I was like, well, damn, <laughs> that's a lot of wings. And so to to move us off the Raptors a little bit and into the the wingy, albeit somewhat less wingy, Clippers, is this finally their year? They've been flexing the most talented roster opening day repeatedly, and maybe they finally have a chance to do something about it. Now I'm wondering how many of the Clippers are 6'5", because I feel yeah. like that would enter a lot more into the conversation. <laughs> 
Luke's got to be about six four, six five, maybe Brennan Boston too. But I think six five for both. There's of them, another, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's another layer there that I think seven just seems so low. I mean, I was listing all the players who I think are going to be in the Clippers playoff rotation, and it's a much higher number than seven, um, which is you know fun conversation to have down the line. But yeah, okay, most talented roster. I think everyone can agree that last year was very much just a placeholder year. They never expected Kawhi Leonard to come back. Uh, they didn't want to force him to come back. And they didn't exactly go about the offseason, I would I should say the 2021 offseason, like with the intention of like, hey, Kawhi, look at all this fun we're having. You know, maybe you should accelerate the rehab process. It was very much, we're just going to clear the books a little bit, try out some younger guys. They took a flyer on Justice Winslow. That didn't really work out. They brought in Eric Bledsoe. I shouldn't say it didn't work out. They turned into Robert Covington and Norman Powell. So yeah. I think it worked out just fine for them. Uh, but, you know, the... It was a placeholder year, right? And now, goodness gracious, this roster is like, it's just a lot to look at. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of who's going to make the regular season rotation. And I'm curious how many minutes, you know, Luke Kennard and Amir Coffey are going to get. And those guys were pivotal to what they did last year. And I mean, Luke Kennard is a big reason why they win game seven against Dallas in 2021. So it's not like these are untested players. They're just, there's no room on the team for them to get minutes. And that depth is, I can only imagine, just going to pay amazing dividends for the Clippers down the line because I think about, you know, the play-in games that they had last year and how tired they looked by the end of it. The fact that Reggie Jackson was legitimately the only ball handler they had on the team, like point guard-wise, because PG just has to do so many other things. Like Mm -hmm. scoring-wise, you can't have him creating and scoring all that good stuff. And then, you know, Paul George is out for the game against the Pelicans and it's just a six-man rotation that Ty Lue is running of players that he trusts. And that is never going to happen for the Clippers in the 2022 season because, again, just look at the roster. I, I just want to, like, put it up next to me so you can see, like, all of the 14 names that I expect to be playing regular minutes. But I think, like, they got tired against Minnesota. They got tired against Dallas, truthfully. They got tired against, like, Phoenix in that conference finals in 2021. So just to be able to, like loan managed for lack of a better word during the regular season is going to be such a huge part of what makes the Clippers successful down the line. Um, but I do believe like this is the best team on paper in the NBA. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly like, radical opinion. I go back and forth between who I would favor between the Clippers and the Golden State Warriors in a potential playoff series. And I truly hope we get that, but just, yeah, I mean, like, look at the team, like you've got Ty Lu, who is, proven battle-tested in all of these playoff situations. You've got Kawhi Leonard, again, proven battle-tested in all of these playoff situations. Paul George had a fantastic playoffs in 2021. Um, He's fairly well-rested, honestly. Only played 31 games last year because of that UCL injury. And then, like, John Wall, Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, Nicholas Batum, who's, again, well-rested because he didn't play for France during Eurobasket, which I think probably cost them a gold medal. But, hey, (laughs) it's going to be pretty good for the Clippers this year. Just an abundance of riches. I I feel like I'm just repeating myself over and over again, but like I can't possibly explain how ridiculously loaded they are, especially because as part of my job, I also cover the Lakers. And wow, is it the opposite over there? <laughs> <laughs> so that that kind of brings in an interesting. Let's let's do the the superstar talk. So mm-hmm. Paul George, I I'm the largest proponent of Paul George around. I I'm on the payroll. Like I, I, I'm a Paul George positivity poster. Okay. Some alliteration for the, for the people listening at home, but Kawhi Leonard, they put out 
an undoctored apparently photo of his thighs <laughs> on Twitter. And it's when that Alex Caruso picture came out, I think last year, and then he got tested for, you know, performance enhancing drugs right away. And then he was like, by the way, this photo was edited. Kawhi's is real. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's been putting in work to make sure that not only does he not, you know, tear anything in in his knees again, anything like that. He's just making sure that he will never injure his leg again. I've never seen a more muscular man down low. I'm curious what you think this upcoming season has for him. And considering that he's carrying about 40 extra pounds on each thigh, <laughs> is he going to be able to like dunk? You know? Yeah, the explosive box jumps that he did during his ACL rehab really appear to have taken to the next level. But yeah, I mean, like Kawhi Leonard has literally nothing to prove, right? He's been yeah. finals MVP, two separate franchises. Uh, he had one of the greatest playoff series I've ever seen against Dallas in 2021 back in that first round, which I try not to assign that much importance to first round series because 16 teams are in the first round. But like, I think about those Dallas Clippers games all the time. <laughs> like that was just a ridiculous set of seven games. So again, like really nothing to prove, but just the the adding to the legacy of like taking the Clippers to the promised land, I think just puts him like in an unassailable top 15 sort of conversation, which I realize is not what we're having right now. But I mean, it's something that I'm sure he's thinking about. Like, that's why he's he's loading up literally for this upcoming <laughs> season. Uh, the Clippers are just phenomenally good when Kawhi Leonard's on the court. Like there's no, there's no like ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like whatever questions you have about like the aesthetics of Kawhi's game or like what he does on the court and like what he's better at and whatnot. He just makes every single team that much better. Like I know there was this win percentage stat that was floating around earlier during the off season about like how Kawhi's teams are just fantastically good when he's on the court. And like that has absolutely been the case for the Clippers. I mean, you can put the ball in his hands and just let him go to work. You can um, just make him that fulcrum of that drive kick spray offense that Ty Lue absolutely adores. I mean, defensively, there is not really a matchup that I think doesn't work for him. You know, like he he shut down Luka Doncic in game seven. Like most people outside of the country of Poland are not shutting down Luka Doncic. <laughs> like it's not a thing that's happening. Um, so I'm just really excited to watch him play again because it's been such a long time. I mean, he tore his ACL in June of 2021. And like, again, there was never really consideration that we were going to see him before now, you know, 16 months later. Uh, so I think he's just like itching to go, honestly, because there's this team is just prepared to win a championship. And like, like I mentioned that apex predator thing earlier with Pascal and Scotty, like this is the guy, right? Like this is the one you circle on your scouting report. Like everything that an opposing team does is geared towards stopping him. And it's really, really difficult. Like, Dallas couldn't do it. Utah couldn't do it. Damn well, Phoenix was not going to be able to do it if he had been healthy in that series. There just aren't many people who I think are physically capable of meeting up with Kawhi, like just, mm -hmm. you know, on the court. And the way that he just handles himself, like it's so methodical. There aren't any wasted movements. I mean, I expect him to just, you know, yam on a couple of people a few times with those, those newly enhanced thigh muscles. But. That's, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the physical aspect of Kawhi Leonard because Andrew Wiggins, to his credit, became kind of the in-vogue stopper in last mm. year's playoffs. And you think about the state of the league that Andrew Wiggins <laughs> became the stopper, 
Dude, and you're then, Canadian. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. But that no, I'm saying that this is the level that Kawhi Leonard is at because Andrew's very, very good. Andrew would not have a good time with Kawhi, and Kawhi would probably have an exceptional time with Andrew. And the, you know, there's there's a history of those two playing against each other, and there's some man to boy stuff that has happened as far <laughs> as that goes. And so I'm very excited to see Kawhi in the playoffs. And uh, playing against a league that is probably comfortable not having to guard him, especially guys who are exist in that like six foot five to six foot nine range, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not fun to guard Kawhi Leonard. He quite I literally imagine. he he breaks bones when you guard him sometimes, which is and then he's, kind of absurd. It's just so like awkward too. That like I imagine just like standing next to him at the free throw line, like you're not even sure if he's trying to get into your head or if that's just yeah. who Kawhi is. It's got to be just a, a full trip trying to defend this guy. Yeah, there's, you know, there's some people you can talk trash to in the hopes of disillusioning them. That that won't happen with Kawhi. You're not you're not getting in there. But so with the rest of the lineup, there's guys like Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, uh, Batum, as you talked about. Like, there's a bunch of long, smart defenders and, and gritty defenders on this Clippers team. That was kind of their calling card last year, as you said, a placeholder year. I'm curious now that they have the stars back in fold and we've heard drama coming out of that locker room before about the stars not being held as accountable as other players on the roster and stuff. Do you think that this is a year that everything can coalesce? They can have the superstar level. Hey, we have these guys and they can also be this gritty underdog Tyree Tyron Lou team that really gives it all on defense. Yeah, what's what's interesting about Ty is that before he got to the Clippers, I really thought of him more as an offense guy. Like he was going to do everything possible to put beautifully spaced lineups on the court and just like play an aesthetically pleasing, pleasing brand of basketball. And then the more I talked to him about like coaching the Clippers, it's very clear that during the regular season, at least, like you do not play unless you defend. Like that's mm-hmm. just how it works. And he has the roster to say like, oh, Luke, like if things are not going well for you today, like. Those are Norm's minutes, or those are Terrence Mann's minutes. Terrence Mann, another guy who I think is six foot five, but I'm gonna <laughs> stop coming back to that. <laughs> so I just think, by virtue of the fact that like minutes are not going to be easy to come by, there is going to have to be a culture of defensive accountability, just because how else are you going to set yourself apart in terms of getting onto the court? Like, I just don't see like why you'd have to play a guy who isn't giving it his all on the defensive end of the ball because like you just have so many more options um, and I think that's a big part of the reason why like Ty hasn't had the superstar issues that Doc Rivers had on the Clippers you know like there has been literally nothing but positive vibes emanating from the Clippers locker room ever since Ty Lu got there uh, it's like almost a little sickening honestly like they're just <laughs> so overwhelmingly happy like uh, the the pictures from Paul George's wedding over the offseason and like you know, he and Zoo are best buds somehow. And like it's it's all very lovey dovey and they they have such a great time with one another. I mean, like I had to block the clippers on Twitter because of all the workout videos that were happening. It was just <laughs> like I don't need all of this aggressively positive content coming my way. But yeah, that all that to say is like I just don't see locker room issues really coming, especially because like this is a team that has been together mostly. Like and the caveat to that is like what John Wall brings to it. Because if I were to identify like clear weaknesses from the Clippers over the last two years, it's that the offense can get a little stagnant, right? Like you put the ball in Kawhi Leonard's hands and yeah, he can play make, but he's not like, 
he's not a natural point guard, right? He's not delivering the ball to everybody. He's not making sure everybody gets their touches. He's just doing what's right in that specific moment. And like, that's great to like win games, but it also means that like not everyone is feeling completely involved and their flow can be a little lacking at times. And there have been numerous lulls, even when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George play, where just like the scoring isn't happening and they don't apply a ton of paint pressure and Reggie Jackson, God bless him, like did his very best to be the point guard for the team last year, especially once they traded Eric Bledsoe when there was literally nobody else who could <laughs> bring the ball up the court. But like that was just a lot to ask of him and his efficiency like, cratered. And it was, it was just a, a very big role to put him into. John Wall theoretically fits all that boxes. Like if you're giving me 2017, 2018 John Wall, it's like, oh, this is the perfect player to put into the system because he's going to get downhill. He's going to distribute to everybody. Uh, he's going to add a little pace to this team, which just does not run. Not at all. <laughs> like, I don't know why they do not run. Uh, so I, I like the theory of that fit quite a bit, but what what is this version of John Wall, right? Like I've watched the workout videos, but I've also watched workout videos of like Russell Westbrook shooting threes in an open gym. Like what does that mean to me? So I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know if he's capable of being that version of John Wall. And like in terms of that accountability, like you can't just hand him the starting point guard spot, but at the same time, he theoretically is the guy who fills all of your weaknesses. So that's the one little, I guess, potential spark that I'm looking at because theoretically, like John Wall should fit in with all of them. Like he's repped by the same agent as most of the big guys. Like they're all, this is a very heavy CAA team. Like we don't talk about it as much as the Knicks, but this is a very heavy CAA team. And he should be like, super copacetic with PG and Kawhi. And like, I don't anticipate there being any problems, but like if he's not the guy that he thinks he is, then that's a potential locker room issue I could see coming up. That's um, when I think about John Wall on that team, if he's, as you say, if he's the guy that we all hope and think that he might be some years off, a lot of time to rehab, to get his body right, to start playing, I guess a more modern version of his style. His his playmaking is so far ahead of anybody else on the roster mixed with his his athleticism. Like Nicholas Batum is a really really fun playmaker in spurts, but he's also not going to get to the same spots on the floor that uh Walt does. And if Wall is a guy who can like hit some catch and shoot stuff, make quicker processing reads uh, like against closeouts and when Paul George or Kawhi Leonard tilt the defense, man, that, that Clippers team could start to look like they have zero weaknesses, especially since they can, they, they lost Hartenstein of course, but zoo is still really great. They can go big. They can play quite a few different types defensively. And as you mentioned, like if they have guys who are out of the road, the guys they might leave out of the rotation are going to be really good. Like Norman Powell is going to be in the rotation, obviously. I'm I'm excited to see if he'll have a good defensive year for the first time in some time. But Amir Coffey, who I wanted on the Raptors, Dagum, he he might not even play that much because of guys like. Robert I just don't Covington. see where the minutes are going to come from for Amir. Yeah. So so I'm wondering if you know the the Clippers. We made that joke about them stealing Raptors. I, I think that uh, the Raptors should be able to take a couple wings from the the Clippers <laughs> at some point this year. We'll I'm see. sure that's an even trade, right? Kawhi for Amir Coffee. Like that's pretty solid one for one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, most people will be happy with it at this point. You, you make your bones with how it's shaking out. But uh, back to the Raptors aspect of it. Once again, wingy teams, but the Raptors, Coloco represents the same spot on the Raptors that Avica Zubach 
represents on the Clippers. There's a difference in, uh, I guess, quality there. And not not that I'm trying to be low on Coloco. It's just Zoo is a guy who's played uh, playoff minutes. He's played a lot of minutes at the NBA level, and he's won a lot of minutes at the NBA level. He's a good center. And the Raptors, if if you're the Clippers, is there anything you see happening over there that you say, I want that? Give me that. Maybe not necessarily a player, but a play style, an ethic that's embodied north of the border. That's a good question. Um, I hadn't even considered Coloco and Sue as similar archetypes. Coloco just seems so much more like vertically gifted. They're, they're, both, they're both tall. Yeah, that's yeah. the archetype is, I shouldn't okay. use that term. It's uh, They're both large people. Yeah. And I guess that's where it ends. Yes. Yeah, I, I do kind of wonder what the Clippers are going to do with backup center. Like they basically always had a big on the court during the regular season. And part of that was because a lot of their wings were hurt and you can't play small when you don't have wings. But just for 82 games, like that's a lot to ask of Zoo. And I don't I don't really see Marcus Morris and Robert Covington as like backup centers. I guess that's mm-hmm. they signed Moses Brown. But I don't know. I don't think you're going to strike the, the Hartenstein well like twice in a row. But that's not what you asked me. You asked me about the Raptors. Is there anything that they should take? Um, I do think that Nick Nurse is more uh, creative uh, defensively than Ty Lue is, uh, especially during the regular season. Like they just try more stuff out. Um, the the Clippers are kind of like pretty pretty consistent with their just like base drop. Like they don't they don't do a lot different. <laughs> like they if there's a a pick and pop big, then like maybe they'll just put Nico on that guy and have Zoo stay in the paint. Like they did that a lot against uh, the Wolves, right? They'd put Nico on Carl um, Anthony Towns and then like have Zoo guard Vando, but basically like just zone in the middle of the paint, um, which I realize that no longer exists with the Wolves, but I'm sure like a similar <laughs> archetype exists in the in the NBA still. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that like we're probably going to see more of this this year with the Clippers because they have more options at their disposal. But I just like the idea of trying more things out during the regular season. Whereas I feel like Ty was more insistent on like just building a very consistent base. And then like, we'll put out all the wrinkles in the playoffs. Um, and like, he's very good at that. I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to discount what Ty Lue does during the postseason. but I don't know. I think it'd be fun to see more experimentation during the first 82. So this is we're kind of sitting on sitting on opposite ends of the spectrum here because <laughs> you brought up that the Clippers ran a lot of drop and that they had like a very strong drop base package defense mm-hmm. and I want the Raptors to run more drop and it's <laughs> they so they're very creative the Raptors they do all the in vogue defensive stuff they they next they peel they they x out they're running like tons of switch up top and they love to do it and they pull off the strong side corner which is you know there's like three maddening (laughs) there's three or four teams in the nba that do it and none of them do it as often as the raptors and you know it's it's a defense that is like we're gonna be in rotation even from a standstill we'll go into rotation who cares i would like to see them try out more drop i've had this conversation with a few people at this point in time but so, listener, if you're hearing me harp on the same thing, my apologies. But I would like to see more drop. And, you know, there's there's very small sample stuff. Like, Pascal Siakam was the 97th percentile in drop last year for points per possession. I'm not expecting that to be repeated whatsoever. But Precious Achua 
was a good drop defender last year, and I would like to see the Raptors give him more of an opportunity to try and anchor the back end by his lonesome rather than pulling guys out of everywhere. Just add a little bit of diversity to the defense in that way. That's that's kind of my thing. So when I say that, a little <laughs> more drop for the Raptors, in your mind, does that make sense at all? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like... <sighs> Well, so what's what's the idea behind more drop? Is it because like you think it's harder for the Raptors to execute what they're doing, or because they just need something to rely on more consistently, or what, what's? I want it to be the knuckleball because the Raptors, okay. the Raptors, they they're running a very helter skelter defense. There's a lot going on. Uh, some teams come into these games very well prepared to put a guy in the strong side and weak side corner, and they're like, hey, you shoot like four threes a game, shoot 10. And it's an NBA player shooting open threes. Sometimes they drop. It would be nice to be able to go to drop more often in the middle of games if those guys are kind of popping off to break rhythm. You can go back to it, your base defense, of course. But a lot of the times... uh, they respond to superstars as far as like maybe they go box and one. Maybe it's triangle and two. And they can do these hybrid possessions where they go from zone to man and back. But there's a lot of times where they get caught in that tidal wave of allowing threes out of the corner. Like they they had the highest frequency of corner threes in the NBA by some measure. I think the drop, I'd like to see if they can, if it's tenable. And uh, maybe it isn't. And maybe egg on my face, but that that's kind of my point of view regarding that. No, that's totally fair. I mean, it's nice to have something that you know consistently works and that uh kind of like scheme wise applies to like the the other 29 <laughs> teams. Uh, I could see that. I, I do think it's quite funny that we're on opposite sides here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I think that's the everybody, you know, grass is greener to some grass degree, is greener, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, there's different strengths among these teams. And so the Raptors are playing to their perceived strengths. The Clippers are playing to theirs. Uh, The Raptors also, I want to ask you, because he's gotten under-discussed in most of these episodes. Uh, If you're looking for a point guard, not that you can have him for the Clippers or anything like that, but Fred Van Vliet, pretty damn good. I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts are on, on Fred. I think he has a great clothing line, first of all. Uh, number one thing about Fred Van Vliet, his uh, children are adorable. The picture of him meeting with the kids for the first time in the NBA bubble, like I, that video just warms my heart. Um, but as a basketball player, sure. Uh, I think it's great that he is uh, sub six foot tall and has carved out an appropriate career as an NBA player. I don't know what he's actually listed, but he's definitely sub six foot tall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not in that six, six to six, ten sweet spot that we're searching for. Right. Uh I almost wonder if like his style of play just like naturally tires himself out. Like he just works so freaking hard that like by the end of the game, um, like, you just want like a little bit more Freddie and it's just not there because he's uh, just been diving all over the floor and uh, the way he plays brings so much energy, which like obviously like if you're an undrafted guy, that's kind of the way you have to make your mark in the league. But um, maybe he can, maybe he can dial it back a little. Like he's got the contract. He's an all-star. <laughs> uh Ready All-Star, right? Like that was the thing that the Toronto broadcast kept saying last year. Um, Yeah, I I always wonder like how 
players evolve into like that next iteration of themselves? Like, does he still think of himself as, oh, I am an undrafted guy from Wichita State. I have to keep playing a certain way to assert myself in this league. Or no, I am an all-star and NBA champion. I got a finals MVP vote from Hubie Brown. Like I can maybe like change it up a little. Uh, so I mean, that just like narrative wise kind of interests me about the, the idea that is Fred VanVleet, but also, just like, can anyone else on the Raptors take threes, or is it just up to Freddie and Gary? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I so there's actually the interesting aspect of that is precious post All Star break when Fred his body fell apart. There's right. just way too big a toll during last season. Another benefit of drop is you let Freddie do lock and trail with his short mm, little yeah. legs instead of tr- tracking all over the court, but. Freddie's injured. He plays like what 11 or 12 games post all-star break shoots 29% from three Gary shot like 35% from three and the Raptors started seeing a lot of zone as a result. <laughs> Precious Achua threw on the Superman cape and started hitting, you know, he's taking four threes a game and started hitting 40%. Pascal Siakam, you know, mostly shooting above the break, not hitting that many. And uh, not in the corner that often, but hitting his corner threes at a high percentage. And OG broke his finger, didn't realize he broke his finger, and then was like, hey, I have to fix this. I can't (laughs) shoot. And then the Raptors were like, yeah, we just need Fred and Gary to shoot threes. And then all of a sudden when that went south, they just asked Pascal to make like, you know, 14, 18-footers a game. And then they're like, maybe this will work. Maybe this is how we win games. And then that happened in the playoffs, and that was really, <laughs> that was really gnarly. Otto Porter Jr., as you said, uh, a very a fame like a, a famed member of the NBA Twitter fan base. You know, people love him. He shoots threes really well, so they have three options now. Uh, still three options. That, still not that many. Maybe maybe Precious is also part of that this year. So maybe I mean Wacho hit a lot of threes in Eurobasket. <laughs> you know, he's on a fully he's not guaranteed a spot on the team, but he has a fully okay. guaranteed contract. So he's probably gonna make it out of camp. You know, there's a shooter there. Maybe and also that's another thing too, is like Wancho, if you look at his on-offs over the course of his career, uh, every team has been like, Wow, our defense really is terrible with you on the floor. <laughs> And the Raptors are maybe the first team that's like, we think we got something for you. Yeah. Every They're like, everybody here gets beat. You're going to get beat the same way you did in Denver, in Boston, everywhere else. But guess what? You just have to relocate to the next guy. Just make sure you're part of the horde, dude. And that's, uh, you know, maybe there's more potential for a three-point shooter there in Wancho. He's, he's the most interesting bet on length so far, I think. I mean, the fact that like his NBA career has been revitalized by the fact that he was in a a Netflix <laughs> film is so funny to me. Like, it's absolutely because of the Netflix film. <laughs> He's uh, that's very 21st century. Like that, yeah, that I couldn't imagine. I, honestly, I feel like I see more references to Bo Cruz than I actually do Wancho. And the man just hit like seven threes in the Eurobasket final game. So we could maybe use his real name. <laughs> uh, that's I'm pretty sure my alert to because I didn't watch the final. I was just, I don't know, doing something else. And I remember seeing, yeah, I was, I was seeing Bo Cruz in all caps pop up (laughs) on my timeline. And I was like, okay, so Wancho's doing something. (laughs) And it turns out Wancho was doing something, not Bo Cruz. And yeah, them's, them's the breaks. I, I, I hope he also outgrows the, the newly earned nickname. And just gets back to being Wancho. I'm sure that's that's what he craves. It's a great name, as is. 
It's a and he's like a cool guy, handsome enough to co-star in a movie. Got really got cool. Some interesting ink. tattoos. Yeah, that's right. He's he's got a lot going on. Uh, but as far as the Raptors and Clips, is there anything else that you think they have going on that uh, for parting shots before we get out of here? You want to discuss? I'm just uh, really happy to see Kawhi and Paul George play together again. Uh, I think there has been some sort of like outside narrative of like how do they play together and it just doesn't make any sense to me because like 2019-20 like we're talking about the Doc Rivers year plus 13 with the two of them on the court together uh 2020-21 plus 18 with the two of them on the court together like it just stylistically it makes so much sense to me like you can put the ball in Kawhi's hands and let PG work off the ball and he's more than happy to do that and he can also carry the offense when Kawhi sits or just be the guy who Kawhi drives and kicks to uh, defensively makes so much sense to me. I mean, Kawhi is the lockdown ISO wonderful defender who can also like help like tremendously because his hands just come out of nowhere. Like the number of times that you think that a pass is going to make its way through and then Kawhi's fingertip just gets on it and like those mitts, man, it's, it's something else. You talked about the thighs. I think that her hands are still the most <laughs> impressive part of the Kawhi Leonard physique. And then you get Paul George who can like still slither through screens. His technique navigating those just befuddles me consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I realize this is not a Raptors Clippers thing. This is just a Clippers thing. I just wanted to get it out there that I think this is the best duo in the NBA. Um, and I, I'm not, I don't know that it's going to lead to an NBA championship because again, I don't know how they fare against a Golden State Warriors type because who is guarding Stephen Curry is always a question to me. Um, but yeah, as, as far as like just the the Raptors West similarity thing, like um, <laughs> I almost feel bad that they've taken so much from Toronto without giving anything back. Like at least Serge is no longer on the team, um, but it's it's just so funny to me that like everybody in Utah made this big stink of Worldwide West and like the Julius Randle showing up at this Utah Dallas playoff game. Uh, I thought they were there to watch Jalen Brunson, honestly, not Donovan Mitchell, but like Lawrence Frank followed Kawhi Leonard around for an entire season. Like he pioneered that. (laughs) That's, that's, yeah, that's definitely a very interesting wrinkle of the, the Clippers Raptors backstory is uh, that Lawrence Frank was just like, Hey dude, you know, like almost (laughs) like a, like an early 2000s um, college humor sketch of a guy who follows you everywhere, something like that. Um, in addition to the the duo of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, sometimes I, I seriously wonder, did everybody watch the same Paul George 5 for 17 game and then like pack it up and then yeah. didn't watch those two anymore? <laughs> I, I don't understand where the commentary comes from. Regarding- it's all the bubble. It's really all the bubble. Pandemic P is, hey. is a shockingly good nickname. <laughs> Don't the Raptors fans know it as far as Siakam's concerned yeah. as well? Uh, two guys who, Siakam, one of the most unique movers in the NBA currently, and Paul George, quite literally, I think is basketball succinct. Like that mm-hmm. guy, you watch him play basketball, it is the platonic ideal of how it's supposed to look, and he does it at like six foot ten. What a, what a, yeah, what a treat. What and a treat. I, I think it's two guard. <laughs> yeah. Like you talked about his his technique getting around screens. He's mm-hmm. he's way too slithery. I yeah, I've mm-hmm. never seen that type of fluidity from a guy that big. He's he's one of my favorite players to watch. And 
I can't wait to see him and more of the Clippers this year. But uh, yeah, Sabrina, it's uh, it's been a pleasure, of course. But at the end of the podcast, I always just tell the people uh, the time now is to plug yourself. If you want the people to be reading you, listening to you, uh, you know, maybe you want to suggest a book, whatever it is, the time is yours <laughs> to uh, tell the people how to get at you. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for having me. I It's nice to meet with that Venn diagram of our shared yes. podcast buddy. Yes. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm actually going to be doing a lot more Lakers stuff this year, uh, just sort of the, the vagaries of how SB Nation works. So if you're interested in a lesser Los Angeles basketball team, please follow my work at silverscreenroll.com. <laughs> Uh, but I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with it. And as always, uh, the WNBA is just my my favorite thing in the world. And I will be writing at swishappeal.com, another SB Nation subsidiary, because uh, for as much as like the NBA delights me, nothing quite gets to my heart like the Los Angeles Sparks. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The Sparks <laughs> and the Evan diagram of Samson, <laughs> Evan, and Sabrina. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Listener, uh, thanks for tuning in, whether you got into this on the podcast channel or YouTube. If it is YouTube, I guess make sure to like the video. That's good. It helps the channel, I hear. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you.